Hello and a warm welcome to this episode of the PPC Chat Roundup, a podcast where I round up the Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5pm GMT. I'm your host Anu and I use this platform to share not just expert but also my ideas and considered best practices about paid media and the direction the digital industry is going in. So if you want to keep up to date with my tips and tricks in the industry and get the latest on the podcast that has been called your go-to if you don't make it to the PPC chat live discussions, and even if you do, then like, follow, share, retweet on, yes, that's right, Twitter with my handle, The Marketing Anu, or um, join us on our LinkedIn group, which is um, the PPC chat roundup. Um, or if you're on Instagram, check us out at um, PPC chat underscore roundup to get quotes and snippets from our previous episodes. So today we're led by the amazing Julie Puccini again, um, discussing client communication. I do love this topic so much, um, and I've actually written a blog about it, which is like the top five things that your client expects from you, and you can check that out on um, themarketingannual.medium.com. And um, yeah, because I feel that there are many aspects to um, client comms and what clients expect, but also what, you know, as agencies, we should set as expectations um, for the clients as well. Um, so yeah, and that's where really everything comes down to, setting those expectations on both sides um, in terms of like how often should we speak, um, what are our out of office hours and the expectations of responses. I came a little bit aggressive to one of my um, <laughs> responses and Julia Vice called me out on that one, which I really appreciated. And, you know, I set my record straight on, you know, how I did want to communicate that. Um, today I was um, tweeting under the handle of Clicks Marketing as a, and as I'm a, a brand ambassador, pretty much, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's very important that we're very clear as to um, the tone we use um, for our brand. We're not trying to be aggressive. Um, with any of our tweets, but, you know, show that we do take things, client, client communication very seriously. And um, we want our clients to also not just ignore us when um, we send emails or we try to call them. But anyway, we'll get to that. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Um, so, yeah, let's get start from the beginning, <laughs> as um, Julie always does, saying hello and thank you for joining today with um, all that has been going on um, in the PPC world lately, especially like all the news. And um, I'm guessing like that's what Julie is talking about, the updates, GML Live, the updates of Google, updates of Facebook, data privacy um, changes, you know, communicating that to your clients is really important. And um, I also just a side note as well, I'm talking at Brighton SEO about communicating communicating with clients and pushing ahead with how do we talk to our clients about data privacy and how do we want to be at the head of the conversation. So yeah, she goes on that we're talking about client communications and um, yeah, it seemed like a good topic to revisit because yeah, we've, we've talked about that before, but first, how are we all doing today? So yeah, a little roll call as usual. Julia Vice joins us and good morning from the island. Um, I'm on vacation next week, so just picture a small countdown below my profile. John Kagan joins us here, incredibly sunburned, so good enough. Yeah, it was nice and hot. It was about 28 degrees this weekend, which I think it closes in on about 80 degrees Fahrenheit. So it was a very, we're definitely experiencing the height of summer for us. Kami Karras joins us as well saying good morning. I'm happy to be back after several weeks away and just back from another vacation. I need a vacation. Um, I tweeted from the Clicks Marketing um, um, Twitter handle saying that, hello, same Anu, different brand, trying to find mental peace because, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a hectic few um, weeks. Um, yeah, excited to be chatting uh, about client comms. 
Julie um, joins us saying, doing well today, excited for my two SMX um, advanced appearances. Um, today, moderating a panel about Google marketing live stuff with Nava Hopkins and um, Big a big a little a and that is aaron levy um, um and azim and tomorrow the ask the sems panel um amalia fowley joins us as well as well as nava hopkins who joins us for a bit because she had to go off to do uh, yeah smx stuff as well and we also have snap tech marketing joining us here today as well and so then, yeah, going on to question one julie asks do you have regular scheduled communications times or methods for your clients? If so, what is that cadence or pace? Is it monthly, weekly, daily? Does it vary by client? Oh, daily? Yeah, there's no way I could do daily communications with clients. Yeah, that's that's just too much <laughs> in terms of the workload. Uh, but yeah, in my response, and this is responding as um, as a rep from Clicks Marketing, you know, I was like in, quest- in response to question one, um, yeah, it was all about it depends on the size and the budget of the clients. It's sometimes weekly, but the smaller ones are monthly. And there's even one of our clients um, that, yeah, it's like probably like a charity client um, that we only do like once every other month. Um, and yeah, but they're definitely frequent ad hoc emails in between as well. And Sean Elliott then responds to question one, says it varies by clients, try to do once per month, but some clients need more attention and some less and pay accordingly um and we have um uh, yeah julia vice replying to question one as well saying yes we have our regular status meetings and we often hop on calls in between for new launches traffic sheets are shared documents we use together with creative teams and of course there are monthly reports and larger presentations Cole Salzwich replies saying that yes largely depends on the client and their effort size but usually weekly or bi-weekly calls larger the client effort more frequent the calls Gilgil no replies saying totally varies by client our smallest small business clients are mostly hands-off with a monthly report just emails mostly some of our larger clients are weekly or sometimes daily if there's an active ongoing need Amali replies saying, we do. It depends on the client and their preferences. Nobody is weekly. Too too much change. Can't find where the results came from. I think that's a very good call. Everyone gets reports monthly and can ask for a call. And we check in at least quarterly, more frequently for, more frequently for um, larger clients. Orlando Valencia replies, usually we'll have weekly calls and QBRs with bigger clients. I'm pretty flexible with all my clients and try to make myself available whenever they need to talk. Nava Hopkins replies saying, my best clients get weekly calls um, that they can choose whether to attend or not. What constitutes as best clients, Nava? That's that's what my query will be on that one. Um, and then she continues, everyone else is monthly. I also turn a lot of my clients into friends. So we often chat on Facebook, Messenger, Gchat, Slack, or LinkedIn. Mm, I think that might be a dangerous thing to do if, um, yeah, as, as long as boundaries are set and people respect each other. But I think it can be dangerous. Um, she continues, says, I'm very blessed to have trainable clients who understand meetings are for strategy, not going over numbers that can be addressed in an email. Yes, you know, calls are not for just talking about numbers. Dwayne Brown replies to question one, saying, A2, um, a few uh, ga- grandfathered into weekly. Otherwise, um, we do monthly for most clients. We can talk all the time or we can work on your ad account you cannot have both especially since we don't use um ams 
um, account managers and have broken telephone, <laughs> broken telephone. Most things can be an email. Too much time wasted having calls just to have calls. Some some clients feel like they are being productive. Unless it's Black Friday or a major product launch, we can communicate very well via email. Also, no slack. I am not an employee. <laughs> Tim Jensen replies saying, love this. Every minute I spend on the phone with a client or pulling whatever random stats they need for internal fires, uh, for internal fires is a minute I'm not spending working on their accounts. And yeah, Dwayne replies to that saying, it's real and true. Client nor agencies cannot have it all. Some things has to give. Um, Amalia replies to that, yes, we don't use AMs either. It's one of those um, things our clients love about us. As a result, I literally say that sentence sometimes. We'd be happy to jump on a call, but given the scope of our resources, it means we're taking time away from the accounts themselves. Um, Julia Vice replies, oh, wow, we're very the opposite. AMs mean that I can hop between projects rather than having to be in every status meeting forever. Our clients feel heard and understood because they're, they are and my time is spent efficiently. Um, and then, yeah, oh, this this goes into a little nice thread. Um, Dwayne Brown says, yeah, you and the enterprise leagues, Julia, This is that is very different. Our biggest client is mid eight figures a year and we do every two weeks with them for 30 minutes. It's true, Julia replies, and those numbers are impressive. It's about what the client needs and what we need to keep lots on track at once. It sounds like that what we're doing works, what you're doing works really well. Um, and yeah, Dwayne Brown replies, I'm 100%. If clients are happy and your team is happy, work it. Um, Amalia replies, Dwayne is my client boundaries idol. <laughs> and Dwayne replies, oh, lol, setting expectations and keeping it real during the pitch process. Yes, during the pitch process is where you want to set the expectations. Um, Amalia replies to that saying, my personal mentality is that I'd rather lose the client that's going to be all comms focused and a drain on my systems and teams and reduce overall profitability than close the deal for the money. It's going to be, a, it's got to be a good fit. Unfortunately, this doesn't always align where I'm at. Dwayne replies, it's hard making them all fix, fit together. And then we go on to Kami Karras replying to question one saying, um, this varies by client plan levels and communication preferences. We run everything from weekly to quarterly, from all written to in person. Brett Bodowski replies to question one saying, while it can vary from client to client, I've found that weekly scheduled communication tends to be what ends up occurring. Love the clients I work with, so the frequency cadence is all right with me. Well, yeah, that's as long as everybody is all right with what the schedule is, then it's all good. Julie replies to question one saying, my scheduled interactions are also almost always monthly, more frequently with new clients, but monthly is what I prefer for scheduled comms. And yeah, I would definitely say I feel like some people will feel like they need for it to be weekly for the client because the client is, might be pushing for weekly. But if you need it to be monthly and if there's no major changes happening on a weekly basis, be comfortable and be confident to suggest monthly, especially if the client is not spending a big budget. And then we have Snap Tech Marketing replying to question one saying it all depends on the client and their needs or preferences. We try to have frequent written communication with them always. Some with more complex needs have bi-weekly or monthly meetings. Emma Franks replies um, saying for me it has varied. Uh, my favorite cadence through is bi-weekly or monthly meetings or calls with more frequent communications by emails or a project management tool as needed 
in between. We're all busy and meeting more than needed often comes at the expense of good execution. Um, Julie then replies, Julie then gives us question two saying, what is the nature of most of your client or stakeholder communication, reporting performance, answering questions, asking them questions? Um, and then, yeah, this I reply to this. I'm definitely against comms about a report that they gen where we just read the numbers of, you know, we've, we've given them what the, the performance has changed has been. And we're just reading through what those performance change has been. Um, years ago, that's how I do it. Now it's more like, hi, I've sent you the reports. Um, or have you seen the reports I sent about an hour ago? Great. Do you have any questions? And we go from there. If there's any confusion, if there's any misunderstanding about what a performance has done, sure, let's discuss it. But let's not just have a conversation about what you're already seeing. Julie agrees to that, saying that, yeah, I'm not just reading the report. Yikes. I will usually call out anything that I want to make sure they are aware of too. And I said, yeah. Totally out of the ordinary stuff, definitely call out and back up with solid theory. So example, clicks went down when we're expecting it to increase based off of research that we've done. These are the reasons we think that's happened. That's quality. It's all about quantity quality over quantity. I mean, Cabra replies to that as, saying, as well, saying, yes, having reports to go over numbers that everyone can clearly see, you just see, um, just seems like such a waste of time. If we're in a meeting, I want us to talk to, I want our talk to be productive and actually talk about things that will make a difference in the account. Yeah. And I think that's what really everybody wants as well. Um, and then we have Sonica replying to question once in varies by client size needs items to discuss. I love an ad hoc call to reduce back and forth on emails. So for me, a quick 30 minute call can go a long way. This approach has also helped me personally relieve any stress around client sentiment. Um, and then we have um, Julia Vice replying to question two saying this depends on the client and their needs. Most of my current partners are interested in status updates to cover many campaigns regularly, but others like to focus on results and organize our converse, our conversations around reporting. And then we have Amalia replying to question two, saying, again, a real mix depending on the client. Early on, it's more education numbers, introducing them to our process. Later on, it's reporting, but really strategy and that feedback we need from not being internal and from losing data visibility. And then we have Sonica replying to question two, saying typically ranges from reviewing in progress items, clarifying any questions, dashboard walkthroughs and performance or reporting updates. Sean Ellie replies saying monthly meetings are set up to be reporting calls. We usually spend half or third going over last month's performance and the rest brainstorming next next tests and confirming next steps on the account plus any updates on their side. And then we have Amalia replying to question two saying um, with the death of third party cookies and our scope generally being ads or SEO, we need to collaborate with them and their internal teams on what they're doing to get more first party data and to take a real holistic look at results. And that's going to feed into what I talk about, about data privacy in terms of um, with Brat at Bratty Nessio. Um, John Kagan replies to question two saying proactive Proactivity, recommendations, status, updates, 
um, reporting exchanging of lobster-based recipes. Um, okay, <laughs> that's some interesting conversations he has. Girl, girl, member replies to question two, saying we have built good systems in Data Studio to provide live performance updates for most clients, especially e-commerce. But our monthly report is more task or strategy focused. If we need a phone call, we ask or answer questions and also just develop relationships. In answer to question two, we have Amit Cabra um, replying saying the bi-weekly and monthly touch points are reporting. Any other touch points is usually updates or questions from either side. And then we have Cole, Cole Soulswitch replying to question two saying again, largely depends on the client. For some, I have reporting cadences where I present results, ask for any updates on their end and have time for questions. Other clients, I have additional dedicated planning or task meetings that we don't really discuss results in. And then we have Julie replying to question two saying most of the communication um, I initiate is about reporting and performance or questions that I need answers to or insight on as I am working in the accounts that can't wait until our next scheduled time. And then we have Kami Karras replying to question two saying the bulk of our communication is reporting performance with the majority of our communication time spent on strategy. Discussions about biz direction or opportunities are in depth. Initial performance reports, educational and ongoing communications are kept brief. Emma Franks replies to question two saying as a client, our agency comms typically surrounds the various projects or campaigns we have in the works. It's more about learnings, feedback loops and what's next. I can read numbers in a report on my own. I'd rather spend time on the why and how. Um, Snap Tech Marketing replies to question two saying we always do an immersive monthly report which often leads to questions. We aim to be as collaborative as possible so we make sure to check in on their business and goals, keeps them informed of strategy shifts and let them know about any industry updates. Julie then um, goes on to question three saying what methods or channels do you generally use for clients or stakeholder communications, email, slack, project management platform or something else and it clicks marketing ours is email or phone or some kind of video conferencing tool. So right now we use Uber conference, but sometimes we will jump on a Google Meets call. Um, messenger tools like Slack can open a whole can of no respect for boundaries worms. So yeah, we try to try not to do that. We also use Basecamp as some of some sort of like project management, um, but I don't actually think the client has access to that. So that's us just keeping tra tra track of the tasks that we need to do. Um, and then, yeah, we have uh, Julia Vice replying to question three saying good old fashioned email and calls works for us. Teams is good for conference calls and connection to SharePoint. But rather than onboard to various different client management tools, we use shared docs, shared folders and our voices. Uh, that sounds very familiar to what we do. Gil Gilner replies saying we use a triage uh, approach. Emergency now situations require meetings or phones. Things that need done today are usually text or emails and things that need done this month are almost always emails. John Kagan replies to question three saying depends how much I like them. My faves get my direct cell and gchat and, um, and google chat and get added to my snark snarkastic group chat where we exchange memes the ones i don't like aren't given my number and they have to go sherlock holmes to find it shanelli then replies to question three saying i try to use only email and calls i feel like chat is a panda a pandora's box that i am afraid to open 
but seems like others find it useful. Yeah, no, I'm with Sean saying it's a Pandora's box. Um, Sean then continues saying, also, I use phone and Zoom or Hangout teams interchangeably. Julia Bryce replies that if you're dedicated to one team on a long-term project, chat can really help. But across several teams with competing deadlines and at least four channels each, no, thank you. Um, Cole Soldier replies saying, yeah, it's interesting to see that Slack or chat is the hard line for a lot of folks. It can get tricky because it doesn't follow any work hour boundaries, but it can also be efficient as it skips the inbox pile. I'd say for the right client, you should try. And Sean replies, yeah, that makes sense. I guess my concern is the instant expectation of it. But if that expectation is not set, I could see how it could, it would be easier than email. And then we have Julie replying to question three, saying email and phone for sure. I have also been part of project management platforms to keep things easier to find by project. I do not do Slack. And if you text me, it damn well better really truly be that important or urgent. Yeah, no client has ever known my personal mobile number. No, I do not do that. Um, and then, yeah, we've got um, a Orlando Valencia replying to question two, saying 25% reporting performance, 20% reviewing action Items, 15% gr um, growth options, 25% reviewing what they're doing in other channels, 15% talking about what everyone is doing for the weekend. That's some very specific percentage divisions. Brad Badowski replies to question three, saying email and Slack, primarily Slack for quick stuff, email for lengthier stuff. Cammy Karras replies to question three, saying um, we generally use email and that oft um, maligned um Telephone for the occasional multi-person or multi-topic discussion is scheduled to Zoom or Skype or in person. I do miss the occasional annual meeting of minds in person. No on-demand access. Snaptech Marketing replies to question three, saying the majority of our written communication is conducted over Basecamp and email. We use Zoom for our meetings and sometimes a good old-fashioned phone call is the best way to connect with someone. Um, and then, yeah, we have um, Julie Bicini continuing her answer to question three, saying, I'm just going to add this here to be con cognizant of people's time zones, please, when communicating asynchronously. Um, I had a client who would pink on all places he could at all hours, had to shut that down, but it should not have been necessary to do so. Yeah, said the expectations right from the beginning. Orlando Valencia replies to question three saying, I'm platform agnostic, but usually I try to use whatever the client already has integrated at their company so I can tie in seamlessly. Then Julie goes on to question four saying, how do you manage client or stakeholder request in between your scheduled communication times, assuming you have them? How available do you ex do they expect you to be? How do you set boundaries? Um, Tiffany shares replies to question three, though, saying phone calls and camera calls are crucial to gaining amazing client relationships. Emails are also key to communicate in between so you can create folders, save emails and have a way to find the information again. We have Amalia Fowler replying to question four, saying in priority order, also, if a quieter client has something on the books, um, I never push it. They shouldn't be delayed because someone is better at being loud. If I have time, I answer. If I don't, I'm honest with that. Other factors affect too. To this one, I answered, um, yeah, thankfully, personally, haven't experienced clients who expect last minute requests. I think it's about managing expectations and setting boundaries. It's not ne necessary to reply emails the second you receive it, especially if you're in the middle of something. But I do think that as soon as possible, send an acknowledgement of receiving 
receipt of the email. Um, and yeah, just say when um, you plan on doing the task and estimate how long it will take to complete. It always just set the expectations. If it can be a quick email that can be sent, I say do that, definitely. Your girl no replies to question four saying this was hard our first two years because revenue was a bigger priority than personal time. So I just dealt with it. Now things are easier. We can cherry pick our clients and pretty much know how demanding they'll be from the first audit and or prospect call. Sean Ellie replies to question four saying, if it is not often, I do my best to accommodate. If it becomes a weekly request, we need to rescope. We can meet weekly, but you need to pay for that time. I try to answer emails within a day. And if they need a meeting, I do my best to schedule it for that week. Emma Franks replies to question three saying, depends on the agency. One uses Teams, which I hate so hard to switch between instances. One is primarily email, but also has a Slack channel set up, which we rarely use. Others are just email. I would prefer a more organized tool like Asana or Basecamp, though. And then we have Julie responding to question four, saying, put your standard response times in your contracts. You can always choose to be more responsive more quickly, but establish that baseline from go. That being said, I generally respond to emails or calls same day, next at the latest. Also have a rush fee clause. That's a good one. Amalia continues answers question forcing with boundaries. I'm very clear. My team has 24 hours to respond to a communication by email, not solve the problem, but respond. The reality of my role is I'm booked two to three days ahead. I tell my clients that they can usually get on a call with someone else. And then we have um, Julia Vice replying to question four saying, we try to set boundaries, but also understand where they are at. Often the emergency is related to something beyond their control. Over time, you learn the cadence of a team and can predict sometimes when they're likely to be busy. Um, and Julie continues answers question four as well, saying also for anyone that needs to hear this right now, not every call has to be a Zoom hangout, etc. If you want it just to be an old fashioned phone call, advocate for that. I can't be the only one sick of looking at my own face on the screen. It's been a long time I've done a video chat actually. Uh, we've done this, we've gone to the standard of only really phone calls. So I'm actually missing seeing my face on the screen, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Is that funny? My um, Mali replies to question four saying, you also have to set expectations early on. We give timelines for turnarounds. We also keep receipts by email so we can point to them if needed. <laughs> I don't think those mean actual receipts. And we don't respond to emails the second they land in our inboxes. Totally pro that. Um, Emma Franks replies, continues answers question four as well. So an agency or colleague, I never expect my asks to be someone else's top priority. I try to communicate if there is a hard deadline or quick turnaround, um, so like less than a week, but would never ask an agency for something by end of day. I'll do it myself if it's that urgent or important. Um, Cameron Karras replies, phone is an honor. Do not disturb setting off business hours or weekends. And I generally don't look at email. Paid search is not an emergency ever. That last line, I was like, that needs to be on a t-shirt. Paid search is not an emergency ever, ever in all caps. Absolutely agree with that. Amalia Fire replies saying, the Friday at 3 p.m. I need this before the weekend emails. Don't bother me because I don't receive it until Monday. Love it. 
And then we had um, Julie answering, giving us question five, saying, if a client or stakeholder is not responsive to your emails or calls and or often calls, cancels scheduled meetings, how do you handle that? And yeah, this is the one where earlier on I said I got maybe a little bit aggressive. And I was like, this is something where the most senior person of a client relationship would need to um, intervene, I feel. Like literally, when clients are not communication let's let's get everyone on board they should definitely be like a written warning by that senior if um if they aren't getting through either uh, that there'll be consequences if comms don't <laughs> resume okay maybe putting consequences like that definitely a bit aggressive and julia pointed that out um yeah she said if contact isn't replying chances are the boss knows why because there's something going on they're all dealing with like um i like to notify if projects are at risk just so we're all clear then try to chat. And I was like, yes, I agree. Did not mean to be aggressive with the language, just trying to be in the line with the set expectation statement. Um, so like, yeah, if we aren't getting any communication responses, they are making it hard for us to do our jobs properly. And that should be communicated well. And Julia um, agreed with that, saying that, um, saying that when it affects projects, higher ups need to be in the loop. And yeah, totally in agreement with that as well. That's pretty much um, what I meant. Um, and so, yeah, we have Snaptech Marketing replying to question four, saying the reality of agency life is having to prioritize multiple requests at the same time. We have an in-house rule that we should reply to client requests within 24 hours. While we understand that clients might feel like they need to need help right now, we try to set clear boundaries and make sure that we have time to complete our other tasks, ensure that we respond in a valuable way instead of rushing. And we have Dwayne Brown as well replying to question four saying ideal goals is respond to all client emails within 24 business hours, one business day. Um, even just to say you got the email and we'll review later. If a client email uh, emails us past our working day, the 24 hours doesn't start until 9 a.m. next business day. Absolutely in agreement with that. Um, we have Gil Gilner replying to question five saying depends if they're still paying their invoices. If they are, we'll keep trudging along. If not, by Felicia. <laughs> yeah, if you're not communicating and you're paying fees, yeah, you should definitely not be working on that client. Um, and then, yeah, we have Sam replying to question four saying we have a clear email policy and use Asana's email feature. I find things get dropped on the phone and every phone call becomes an email. Anyway, I think that's beneficial. Um, Kami Karish replies, great question. I hear too many people skipping the step of actually calling. Clients are busy too. However, for serial non-responders, we're putting deadlines for action. If we don't hear from you by Friday, we will consider this agreed upon. Yeah, I agree with things like that. That's that's almost the kind of thing I was trying to say as well. State what you clearly um the consequences are going to be <laughs> consequences sounds like a big word but just what the results of their inactions is going to be that's that's really what i mean julie replies to question five saying i will generally call the client if i'm getting radio silence from emails and meetings getting cancelled and i start with asking how they are because i've learned this type of ghosting almost never actually has to do with me okay so yeah if they pick up the call definitely i'm, I'm not saying that if they email and uh, if com if on if electronic communication is not working, just blank them. No, definitely try the calling. If the, they don't call, if they're not picking up phone as well, that's where things can get difficult, and we have to put in um, rules in place. Um, but yeah, clients also have lives going on and complications going on that will prevent them from communicating on time. So we always have to consider that as well. 
And then we have Sean Ellie replying to question five saying, if it's a long-standing client that I know is wearing a lot of hats, I tend not to pester them unless it's something urgent. If they used to be responsive and have dropped off, I try my best to get them on the phone. Julia Vice replies saying, that's a tough one. Sometimes it's a matter of waiting out a tough situation. I find proposing an off-site lunch or event trends to help and we try to be in touch with leadership rather than one contact yeah go senior uh, ken chang replies to question five saying generally if that happens the meeting cadence is scheduled too frequently or the account is in danger of getting cancelled a kpi report is sent out by the next day email with a coffee gift card plus a note to schedule the next call that's a very lovely way of doing that amanda replies to question five saying how do we handle it or how do i wish we handled it there are different answers. How we handle it often involves chasing. We can't do our work on the SEO side without feedback. Generally, unless they're wasting my team's time, I'll keep following up endlessly. <laughs> That's a lot of patience. Um, Amalia then goes, now, if they end up wasting my team's time, no one shows up to pre-schedule meetings multiple times in a row. I get involved and ask them to keep the time or cancel them. They also get just the time set aside. Your meeting is from 4 to 5 and show up at 4.45. You get 15 minutes. 15 minutes. I wish we handled it by getting rid of those clients after discussion or explaining upfront that we have specific communication needs and our best relationships are collaborative. I love the idea of a pause clause, which was introduced to me by Julie advice, um, by Julie Bicini, in fact, yeah, by um, Neptune Moon. And yeah, so Julie says, yes, I have a clause in my contract that spells out what happens if they become completely non-responsive. I drafted that language when I was doing websites and the project would be seven, eight complete, seven out of eight complete, and they would just disappear, but it still works for PPC. That's an amazing clause to put in. And I imagine that requires um, extra spend <laughs> as well. Orlando Valencia replies saying, if they're canceling performance meetings, I can sometimes see that as a form of trust. If I need something from them, I'll follow up asking if there's someone on their team that might be able to help. Um, and then, yeah, in response to question five as well, we've got Dwayne Brown saying, I straight up tell them how it is, um, how it is a waste of time and theirs as we prep for the meeting. I move them to add hook calls and they don't guarantee our time anymore for meetings. Use it or lose it. It's in our proposal. We cannot do our job in a timely manner if they are not timely. It cuts both ways and I am too old and don't care about all your excuses. Now, I love the way Julia Vice said I was being aggressive and I love, I, 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 I find it interesting she did not respond to brain talking in that way because I find that, oh, very straight to the point and aggressive. Uh, snap tech, but I just think very fair as well. Like, like, let me come back to that. Dwayne Brown's response is very fair. Do not waste people's time, even if you're paying them. Snaptech Marketing replies to question five saying persistent without persistence without being overbearing or irritating. This is where phone calls are so important. We also keep up our reporting so they still have a way of accessing their results while dark. Um, and then we've got Jonathan Berthold replying to question four saying the reason I became a value consultant to clients is that I make myself available in case there's anything urgent. Being responsive, even acknowledging an email in between scheduled meetings can work wonders. We've got Amit Cabra replying to question five saying that we actually haven't had that issue inside aside from one client. They asked for bi-weekly calls and they would not show up for them so after the third time, I just deleted the calendar invite. They didn't even notice.
And then we have um, Judy taking us on to, on to question six, second to last question of the evening, um, saying that if a client or stakeholder is constantly emailing, calling, texting, or Slack messaging you, how do you handle it? Handle that? Try to block them? No, <laughs> no, definitely not. That is me as Anu saying that, not Clicks Marketing. Uh, the Click Market, Clicks Marketing form would be um, this is set of expectations. You know, early on in the relationship, we're not going to respond to everything. Um, yeah, if it's a one-off client being panicky because something internally is going on, yeah, we'll let it slide and we'll try to respond as quickly as possible. But but definitely, we'll not. We'll make sure this is um, not something that is a regular occurrence. Um, we then have um, Amalia replying to question six, saying, "Oh boy." So it depends. If it's early on, we have those calls for a bit. Focus on education. I will ultimately explain that being on the phone with them, not being in the account and suggest is is equals to not being in the account and suggest if they want more meetings, their retainer is going up. They stop or pay. Um, Gil Gildner replies saying this rarely happens, but usually it's when the client hires a new team member who hasn't been clued into our workflow. I usually find responding at our usual pace will set the tone for them. It's almost always an intern or a new hire who just doesn't know yet. Exactly. Some people, some clients, the quicker you respond, the quicker they will reply to messages as well. The quicker they'll put in requests and they'll send you 10 emails a day. If you write an email, if they've sent an email and you respond maybe after an hour, a couple of hours because you're rightfully busy, they'll also take that as a notice. It won't be rude. They'll just realize, okay, they don't respond to emails immediately. So... I'm not going to be sending them 10 emails a day. I'll just be sending them a couple because they're working on our accounts. People understand that. But the more, the quicker you respond to some clients, the quicker they respond back. And they'll just want to do conversation tennis is what I call it. Um, Julia Vice replies, we try to find out what they need and why they're comfortable communicating this way. Um, in response to question six, some teams need everyone on the email thread so we can tap in or out through the day. Some need an acknowledgement, some need an account manager, so specialists can spend time working. Sam replies, it really depends on the client plus relationship. We generally try to keep account schedules, meetings on X date, updates at Y intervals, etc. For some clients, that doesn't work for whatever reason. In those cases, we try to stick to one channels for comms. And then Julie then goes on to question six, saying, once again, I have contract language about this. All pricing is based on standard communication levels. If they are constantly reaching out on every channel available, we will have a talk about that and try to get to the root of their agitator. Agitator? What's agitator? That's a new word for me. Kami Karis replies, batch reply when we can or offer our next available meeting slot, whenever that may be. Their desire to constantly talk about things does not change our availability to talk about things taking the time away from doing things i'll say that again because that's a brilliant point their desire to constantly talk about things does not change our availability to talk about things taking time away from doing things and um amalia <laughs> agreed to that 100 um jonathan berthold replies saying i've had this happen with all types of marketing accounts as long as performance is being met and payments are coming in little communication is fine if performance is struggling or payments aren't coming in i flag this immediately with the client cole Solzwich replies question six saying surprisingly haven't really encountered this too much one previous relationship that comes to mind, I would pick up the phone and call, could spend 
um, around all the pings from email, chat, voicemail, etc. in one 30-minute ad hoc call. Sean Ellie replies to question six saying, if emails get too constant, we will usually send, or we will add this to the next call agenda message and the rescope in that call. Usually when you bring up rescoping, the client will get better about saving the non-urgent questions for the scheduled meetings. Emma Franks replies to question five saying, remember everyone is busy and stressed and make it as easy as possible. Just, just say yes keep the account healthy and do as much independently as possible. Send, this is what we will do unless we hear back by X instead of what do you think about this idea? Yeah, those communications will need to, to happen if you're not getting responses um, from clients. I mean, Cabra then replies to question six saying, this hasn't happened in a really long time. The last time a client was emailing too much, I just hopped on a call with them to help alleviate their anxiety, which helped. And then we have John Kagan replying to question six saying, once it becomes excessive, I purposely slow down the response time to essentially to get them to learn. Exactly. And you can always do that with clients. Orlando Valencia replies saying, this is a great time to set expectations and let them know you'll be able to add it to the regularly scheduled meeting to discuss. And I think increase your, your charge when you do that as well. Jonathan replies to question six saying agencies in the paid media space need to have dedicated account managers and create well-defined boundaries. If a client exceeds the predefined communication threshold, raise the issue politely and try to create a new process. Ken Chang replies to question six saying because of the budget size, this is completely normal for large accounts and I like to pick out a set time where we would have daily meetings for smaller clients who are depending on their campaigns we try to move it to a weekly meet and are respectful of chats. Julie then goes on to question seven, saying, what type of client or stakeholder communication do you find to be most challenging and why is it challenging? Um, and then, yeah, in response to this, um, in response to question six, Emma goes, I've come to agree with the philosophy that we train people how to treat us in many cases. Even if I'm checking my email at the moment, someone sends it, I will usually wait a bit before responding to avoid encouraging the expectation that I'm always on call. I do the same thing. And that's how you set expectations. Also, this should go without saying, but no one gets my cell number. <laughs> I do not need clients texting me at home. I check email frequently enough that a real emergency would be seen even on a weekend or even if I had a work number, the call will forward and I'd get the voicemail. So yeah, I always put my work emails on my phone because I want to see calendar um, when I'm where my meetings are, I check that all the time on my phone. So yeah, I'll see the emails. You're not getting my private email. Um, you're not getting my private number. Snaptech Marketing replies to question six saying, we try to figure out why they want to talk as much as they do and ensure we're filling in any gaps. Then we explain the benefits of having us in the account versus on these calls, comms and set times to reconnect so they get what they need, but we can also do the work. Dwayne Brown replies, not responding right away helps as it sets expectations. Just be honest with clients and keep it real. Maybe they don't know it's problem or issue. Keep telling them until they listen. Amalia Fowler replies, we also try to figure out where the requests are coming from. I'd say 80% of the time, there's a new CEO or stakeholder internally who wants to get up to speed and is using our point of contact as a middle person. We try to get direct access to explain. 
I'll chase replies to question six saying, I set expectations when I first start working with a client for this very reason. I will ask them to put an agenda together for a meeting to discuss any of the items instead of, instead of peppering me with emails. And um, yeah, in response to question seven, I just, yeah, I agreed with Amalia where she goes, um, I find that we jump on, um, I find the, can we jump on a call comms hard to deal with? I like context so I can prepare. And I also find, especially if I've sent the time in boundary before, the last minute demands aggravating. If it's an emergency, absolutely. But tell me what it's about. And I was like, yes, heck yes. I even get nervous when a family member says that. And then you're like, oh, can we chat? Like, no. No. <laughs> Who's in trouble? Um, Shanelli replies to question seven saying, not necessarily a communication type, but a contact that I must find, that I find most difficult. Working with owners of companies can be difficult as they are personally invested and may not come from a marketing background if it can take a lot of teaching and explaining. L Chase replies to question seven saying, my least favorite is the emergency that is not really an emergency when someone else did not plan properly and needs us to run through hoops for them. Um, Julia Vice replies to question seven saying, most likely all kinds of communication. I like hearing from people sharing ideas, whether on a call, in person, in a strat session or reporting. Backseat driving is a pain, but shows curiosity in the program. There are ways around just about everything. Um, and then, yeah, Julia, Julie Bicini replies to Amalia saying, um, yeah, I also think that there are differently organizational personality types and the ones that want to jump on a quick call all the time just are just wired differently from those of who don't operate well. That way we can all make it work, but needs agreed upon terms. So, yeah, that's in reply to, yeah, the whole jump on a call quickly. And um, Julie pretty much agrees with that. Snaptech Marketing replies to question 17, last minute or vague request. We really want to make sure we're giving our clients value all of the time. It's not being entirely sure of the context as to why it is urgent or what their request is. We risk not providing them with the expertise that they deserve. Julia Vice replies, you know what? The not thank yous, the ever demands without the wow, you really pulled a rabbit out of your hat for us. I don't need oceans of gratitude, but basic decency goes a long way yes being a decent human is just yeah just she should should not be it's not out of this world um ting jensen replies to question seven saying i'll go on record for disliking talking on the phone in general but getting on scheduled phone calls out of the blue for non-urgent issues is my least favorite um and yeah that is it. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give a few more answers. We've got Amit Cabra replying to question 17. I'm just going to echo Snaptech marketing last minute. And vague requests are the worst. More often than that and not, the last minute request could have waited and the vague request needs more information. Vague requests, very unwelcome. John Kagan replies to question 17. Email, super easy to overanalyze it and send yourself into a tailspin. And then Emma Franks, um, finally she goes, um, it may be generated... Uh, it may be generational to some extent or introvert versus extrovert, but I get stressed by people who would always rather hop on a quick call, like send me an email first so I can be prepared. But also I'd rather just answer your email than have to get on, on the phone. Yeah. Sending, you know, if, if I don't know what the problem is, I don't want to just jump on a call, but if it's going to prevent us having a bit of an email tennis, I'm happy to jump on a call as long as I know what that call is about and I have an answer to, you know, 
pretty much calmed down people's fears. So yeah, that's been I find that a very interesting chat. Um, especially with like where you know there was this very tiny mention there when um Amalia added in about especially with the whole first party data and um you know the views is gonna prevent us from seeing it's really important this client communication is really pointed use important we set the expectations and that it's when it's frequent enough back and forth. So hope you've taken some great takeaways from um that, some very useful and great takeaways. And if you want to chat more about this topic. Join us on Friday on Twitter Spaces um, at 5 p.m. GMT or 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, for any feedback about this, the podcast or maybe even some correction and anything that has been shared, do get in touch with me on Twitter. My DMs are open on my handle, The Marketing Anu, or on LinkedIn, where we have the um, PBC Chat Roundup group on there as well. Would love to hear from you to share your thoughts. And finally, remember, for your campaigns and businesses to glide smoothly, there's a lot of hard work needed beneath the surface. So keep your swans kicking. Bye.